Francisco. For more information, please visit the website www.mujeresunidas.net or call 415-621-8140, extension 310. Again, that number is 415-621-8140, extension 310. You're listening to 94.1 KPFA and 89.3 KPFB in Berkeley, 88.1 KFCF in Fresno, and 97.5 K248BR in Santa Cruz, and online at kpfa.org. It's 3.30. Up next, um, Cover to Cover with Javelines Vistro. Welcome to Cover to Cover. This is Javelin's Bistro. I'm good back to be with you on this Wednesday afternoon at 3.30. And today what I thought I would bring you for your listening ears is a conversation on artivism. Artivism is where we take our art and our activism. We combine that to give to you, to others, a window to look out of, another way to have a voice today in the studio with me and this also will be a call-in show for those who want to join the conversation if you have thoughts around artivism activism or your art and how to combine those two i have roberta roberta is a jazz singer and she uses her voice to sing that jazz to speak that jazz she started off in her uh in her life doing jazz and then changed over to do as she calls it how life got in the way or in the best way and then returned to jazz a few years ago Roberta Murdoch and then we also have Bob Lane Bob started in seminary and then he went to law school when he finished with law school he went back to graduate school and became an English teacher and now in his retirement he is more involved in social justice and We'll talk a little bit about that. And then we, and so he's an actor, so he's bringing that experience to the table. So we have jazz, we have uh, theater, and now it would be appropriate to bring in a little bit of comedy. So we have Chris, and I don't think I've ever said Chris's last name, although I've been working with him for years. Chris Posadas. Posadas? Yes. All right. <laughs> stand-up comedian here in the Bay Area. He's, you can, you've probably seen him at Cobbs, Comedy, The Punchline. He's been on stages at the Exit Theater, La Pena Cultural Center, hosting a lot of shows and now fixing to throw a podcast out there. So we're bringing you a variety of ways in which to think about art and artivism and I want to talk to them about what that means to them. What does it mean and how do they do that? And so let's start And so the number, let me read out now, would be 510-444. The engineer is coming to the window. 510-848-4425. 510-848-4425. All right. So good afternoon, Chris, Roberta, and Bob. Good afternoon. Hi. Hi. 
<laughs> so, all right, let's start off with uh, you, Roberta, uh, since your hello was a little bit more laid back. What do you think about artivism in the work that you do? And is there any jazz musician that you think most displayed or displays artivism in their work? At the moment, I can't think of any current um, jazz artist. Um, I'm sure there are many out there. What comes to mind is um, Dinah Washington. Um, Dinah Washington was a a jazz artist, um, fiery jazz artist. But with her artivism, she, um, she, she would portray it in such a way during her period of the 50s, there was a lot of racism, um, even though there were, she had uh, uh, quite a, a support system of people of all colors. But also with the racism, in a lot of the places that she would play, people of color weren't allowed to be in the clubs. So how did she use her art to to communicate that or to bring justice to that reality of segregation? How she brought it, she wouldn't show. She wouldn't appear. I'm not going out on stage if you're not going to allow people of color in. If you're going to sit them in the back row, I'm not going out on stage. And that's how she So she did hers in protest with those who enjoyed her music. Part of the reason this show, what I forgot to say at the top of the hour, I got a little bit distracted, is that currently right now I am doing an artist residency at the Pena Cultural Center. And a part of the work that we're doing is around artivism. And I became very drawn. I wanted to talk to what I, I've been experiencing or witnessing in s- some of the players inside of a performance that you can go to the website, 911, what's your emergency? You can go to La Pena website and get more information. But I wanted this this time to spend with the artists if I'm witnessing them behind a very touchy subject matter politically and watching how they're bringing theater to give voice to that. Bob, in your bio, you say that you're now looking more to doing social justice work. Do you see theater as a way that is bringing art and activism together? I would love to to do that. I'm exploring some options for doing that because in my own history... Art has had a big, big impact on my awareness of those issues. Uh, I was telling a colleague of mine yesterday, I grew up in the Deep South in the 1950s. A lot of what I learned about race, I learned from Sidney Poitier's movies. You know, In the Heat of the Night, uh, Raisin in the Sun, and Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. Lots of different facets of, of race. Uh, and I think uh, the best artists put an eye on what's going on in our society uh, and lift it up so we can see it because so much of what goes on in our society we don't see. And I think it's important. I think art helps us to just see what's going on so that we can begin to react to it and begin to change it where it needs to be changed. And obviously there's a lot that needs to be changed. 
I like that you said that that you were introduced with that through Sidney Poitier and a lot of the films that he had out there. I also can appreciate watching something in the media, watching something in the theater. We can experience another culture while we're in our own bodies in a relaxed position to take it in and to give us the space to think differently and be safe about it. Which one of his films impacted you the most? And what had you thought about blackness before you saw Sidney Poitier hit the screen? Um, Well, that's a good question. I think that whatever view I had is people of color were not fully human. That doesn't necessarily mean they were less than human, but I just didn't have access to what it was like to be a person of color growing up in the place I grew up at the time that I grew up there. Um, So for me, In the Heat of the Night was a really powerful experience because of the relationship between a white sheriff and a black detective from the north. Uh, And you have two just fabulous actors. Rod Steiger was a fabulous actor, as was Sidney Poitier. Uh, And their relationship, the difficulty that they had, the challenges they had, uh, and how they overcame those challenges and grew a little bit closer, at least grew into a working relationship with one another, uh, really stood out for me. I think the crucial thing there is that uh, to be to witness a working relationship between Mm -hmm. two people that... In this world, it can be created as if they have nothing in common, but to see them work together and develop a relationship of commonness, common ground. Chris, as a stand-up comedian and actor, I think you mostly walk in the world as a stand-up comedian. Is that correct? Uh, At the moment, yes. At the moment. moment. (laughs) Who would you say in the comedy world that gives us a picture of art and art and activism to create this world of artivism? Um, I mean, classically, the 80s, I was familiar with uh, George Carlin. Um, he was very outspoken with the way that the government treats the people and the results of that, um, the lack of care that they exhibit to us. Um, and currently, uh, you have John Stewart, Dave Chappelle, uh, Trevor Noah, and Trevor Noah is interesting because he comes from another country. He comes from South Africa. So his experience is removed from, uh, you know, just being completely separate. Like he learned how to talk uh, black by watching Def Jam comedy, you know, in America. So that was really interesting to see what is his that? perspective. Wait, okay. That, that's the first time I've heard that. So Ex- what do you mean I, he learned to talk he black? Learned, and that's what was interesting to me when I had watched his uh, his piece was – I didn't know that people talked the way that they talked. I'm from South Africa. This is how we talk here. We don't talk about it's a zebra. You know, it's little little things like that where it's the way that people say certain words. He was assumed to be, when he first came to New York, to be Puerto Rican or something like that. And he was like, but I'm African. I'm South African. (laughs) So it was just just the way that roles are viewed in race um, and his experience. in America is completely different than what he was brought up with dealing with apartheid, um, where it's just basically you have those two, um, 
those two uh, things being separate. Def Jam, you're you're a little bit more hood. We know what that's like growing up in the Bay Area, to where you like, hey, what's up? You know, you have Ebonics. He didn't know what Ebonics was until he watched Def Jam, and he was like, people talk like this. This is amazing. I love this. I want to do that. Um, so is it that that he was finding a sense of rhythm, a sound inside of? We can just say Ebonics, but. But we're also talking about sounds, and we're talking about the taking language, standard language, and and moving it around like a jigsaw puzzle, so that it has much more power. In fact, and it also shortens shortens statements that you can just say like, yeah. "What up? What yeah. up? What up?" What, <laughs> yes, what exactly. He's like, "Hey, what's up?" He's like, yeah, "What's up?" I don't. I what the up? sky. And <laughs> you know, that was his response. Down to, what up? What up? <laughs> yeah. Also, when we talk about. Also, when we talk about uh, art and activism and then language, when we talk about uh, Ebonics, what that really is is that a, a culture taking a language and then finding ways that it can personalize it, to own it, to be to stand inside of that language, to be able to have it represent uh, us more deeply and much more personally. And I think that's what was that's been missed in the dialogue of Ebonics. Again, if you want to join us, we have a question about what is how do you take your art and activism and make those two work for you. You can give us a call at five one zero eight four eight four four two five and join a conversation with us. So we talked about film, Bob, and how that impacted your life. Is there theater going on that you have been uh, live theater that you've witnessed that you've been a part of that as an actor? Uh, or a witness that really activated your activism or was able to give you another viewpoint? Well, the the playwright that I think has been most consistent and has really informed me about the possibilities of theater, especially on the subject of race, is Athol Fugard, a South African playwright. He has a play called Blood Knot about two brothers in South Africa, one of whom, they're both black. One of them, however, can pass as white. And the tension that that creates in their relationship. And he uses that to show how everyone's relationships are affected when they're in the context of a racist society. It's really a powerful, powerful exploration. I, yeah, I haven't seen that, but I saw Alo. Uh-huh. Have you seen this one, Alo? No, I haven't. Yeah, that uh, again explores at the time. This is an exploration of time in South Africa, where uh, black South African was part of a party uh, to expose a, uh, apartheid, and in that group, he was one of the only uh, black people in this particular group. Right, someone. Uh, says some things about him and then he turns around and is jailed. Mm. His closest friend, it all starts with him in his garden, the aloe plants and the different ones that survive under harsh circumstances which became the sort of a symbolic of what we do and how he comes back to talk to him to find out possibly did I trust you and did you betray me? Mm-hmm. And so it's a little more complicated with that, but I, that's the one where when I was introduced to him about a couple of months ago, I think I interviewed her on Cover to Cover. I see. Uh, one of the actresses inside of the play. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so. he, uh, what's fascinating to me and has been really 
helpful is he really focuses on race, but he looks at it, every one of his plays is different in terms of the lens that he uses, the situations that he looks at. So aloe is yeah. sounds very different from and he's blood. He's a white not, South African that actually yes. opposed that during the time of growing up and was determined to use his art. So that's a good example. His art, his writing, as a way to expose something that a lot of people was in denial of. Mm-hmm. Okay, absolutely. Yeah. Roberta, why is it important for music to happen for you in your life? Why is that important? It allows me to um, to express how I how I how I feel. It's a a way of ex- expression. Um, it gives me a, a joyful feeling. I, I enjoy performing in front of people. Um, Do you consider yourself an activist? You know, I think as a woman of color, I'm an activist every day. Every day, I go out there. There's some form of activism that I'm going to have to encounter, um, react to. That's just part of being a woman of color. So if I'm, read- if I'm hearing you right, you're saying that when you show up as a woman of color in space, it's a form of activism by the presence of. It is. The, by the, it is. your presence inside of spaces every day is a, re, is a reminder of who and what I am as a woman of color. And what I, are you as a woman of color? I am a mother. I'm a daughter. I'm a, I'm a jazz vocalist. I'm an actress. I am a, I'm a, I'm a human being. You know, you're speaking right back to what Bob said earlier that had he not seen Sydney, all those the things you listed was not necessarily on the radar when he when you when Bob thought about mm-hmm. black folks. And then on this radar you get a chance to see the different ways in which people exist. Like you said it, it Bobby said it's not that they weren't human, but you didn't see any situations to see what that humanity looked like. And mm-hmm. and so I'm hearing that and you, Roberta, that I've had many encounters where I could tell that people who weren't of color felt this way, and felt what way? Felt that I was less than they were. Um, that my existence was not as important as theirs. I've encountered that all my life. And if you had a jazz song that that is there music you that would comfort you? So now I'm thinking about as artists, as activists, what music do did you or listen to that calmed you or grounded you back in your own truth when you go out there in this sort of racial war zone, if we if you will. And is there was any artist that that said, mm, "Nah, look how bad you really are in a good bad." That's another one of those. <laughs> those another one of those terminologies. <laughs> taking the say, "Yeah, that's bad," meaning that that's really good. That's what Chris was talking about. Is there any music? There is today. Um, 
there's an artist, Gregory Porter. Okay. And um, his 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 lyrics bring me comfort. Nicholas and lyrics. Um, one of them is um, what is it? My green is blue. My blue is green. Um, I can't remember the title, but his music. It just brings it brings people together. It brings me. Um, it, it brings me uh, joy, and he's he touches on people getting along. That's what I liked about him. Most of his lyrics talk about is he talking people about coming people? together. Is he talking about all people? All people. He's talking about all people coming, coming together. together. Um, he writes a lot of his music, and of course, he's you know he sings others' music. And what's his name? His name is Gregory Porter. Gregory Porter. Yeah. yeah. All right, Gregory Porter. Mm-hmm. You remember the number is five one zero eight four eight four four two five. Chris, now let me ask you this. I've seen you on stage and you talk a lot about relationships, the politics of relationship, the power of relationship. And so when we think about being activists, we have one picture in mind, um, protests. Um, But in many ways, a lot of the activism we can do that a lot of us can do is find ways in which we can do the smaller pieces to to create a a deeper a, a stronger foundation. It could look a lot of ways, and you've chosen stand up to be one of your ways. And you talk about relationships, so tell us about the the content of your of your comedy. So, I mean, the best way to kind of relate to people is by expressing what your individual experience is. Right, just to let people know, hey, you're not alone in the weirdness or the awkwardness or the commonality of whatever it is you're talking about. Like being in a relationship, you deal with politics, like who gets to make the decisions, who has the power, and why do they have the power? Um, and I was uh, in a relationship that spurred a lot of my um, a lot of my comedy, and uh, my material ended up being because it was a very controlling relationship. Um, that allowed me to kind of express that even though I'm a man, I can be in a, an emotional, abusively relationship and turn that into something positive um, and use laughter as a tool for healing because there are other people out there that go through the same things, whether it's a man or a woman's, you know, irrelevant because a relationship is a relationship and it's give and take. Um, and being in my form of activism is by putting my story out there and saying, hey, this happens. There's some levity in it, but it's a real thing. Um, And I have kind of a catharsis by being in front of people, telling them my story. It also opens the door for men to be able to speak as well, to say that these are the same, like they're to show. And if you're putting those elements of what made it abusive to you, they could say, oh, those things exist in mine and, and then we can change the larger picture how many women are in intimate relationships with each other because mm-hmm. we're in intimate relationships with each other based on power struggles as opposed to to, to poss- possibly examining the balancing things out in our lives like what what do you do well 
in this relationship that you could take the lead on? And what do I do well that I could take the lead on instead of control and out of fear? How has your audience responded to you? And do they, because they come there to do a chuckle, chuckle, <laughs> ha-ha, and then you giving them, like, <clears throat> how do they respond? Um, I've had people come up to me at a couple of shows and tell me it's funny. Um, I have yet to hear anybody really, as far as an audience member, go, oh, that's really moving and touched me. But um, the people that know me, they know what I've gone through, and they're proud of the fact that I can talk about it in in not a negative way, but in a way that is, you know, just kind of bearing soul. And you talked about it also. You did a uh, piece called Evidence of Love. Yes. And you was able to talk about that relationship and also create a song for that. Yes. So that... Um, that for me was probably one of the more difficult things I'd had to do um, because I hadn't sat down and really dealt with it uh, for close to about a year, and we had lived together, and it was it was um, it was very hard that I had gotten cut off from my family because of how controlling the relationship was. And after my uncle had passed from cancer. Um, I kind of uh, was like, you know, if if this doesn't change your mind about how to treat me and how much I, I do give to you, then what is this relationship other than something that allows you to feel safe? Because relationships are supposed to be reciprocal. Um, and for me to be an evidence of love and talk about what that meant to me and about the hopes that I had had to be with this other person and then use the song to really kind of illustrate um, – having my heart broken willfully by somebody who said that they would take care of me, uh, but also realizing at the end of the song that no matter what I've learned to always give, I've learned to always give myself no matter what. That makes me a stronger person. And regardless of how she takes that or anybody else, I can still find ways to move on. Um, and for me, stand-up is one of those things that allows me to go, hey, I'm further from where I was before because I was scared to do it Mm -hmm. Um, and facing the fears that we have to deal with our friends and our family and the people we're in relationships with and the things that we want for ourselves and and the people that come after us, kids or other generations, it just allows you to go, this is only a thought and the thought can manifest itself in positive and negative ways. You choose which way you want to go. What I'm also hearing, too, in your story and Roberta's story and all our stories is that the activism starts internally, like where we become aware that something is happening that's not necessarily pleasurable or that we hold a certain lack of information about something, like like not knowing another group of people and that then to witness that and see our our inner world change and open itself up. What's it like for the... Anyway, we have Bob on the line. Bob Matthew from Marin County on the line, I believe it is. Hello. Hi, Bob. You're on Joplin's Bistro. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. Thank you for such a wonderful program. Uh, I was just uh, I was listening to you and the, the gentleman who spoke about that wonderful film of uh, Rod Steiger and Sidney Poitier uh, brought to mind just a, a small piece from Sidney's biography. And Sidney refused to do that film uh, for various reasons. But in this particular case, he would not allow a black man to be slapped without returning 
same. And Sidney had vowed um, as best he could to not make any films ever that would continue the the diminishing the the way black people of color and particularly blacks had been portrayed in film. And he didn't care if he was going to get the role or not, but he he just could not because of his personal integrity allow himself to be slapped as a black man by Rod Steiger without returning it. Thank you so much for adding that piece of it. And as we end the show to say art and activism, artivism to find ways in our personal life to be able to witness other groups of people from wherever they come and to embrace that and then to get out there in the world and to witness it on stage. Uh, thanks for joining us. Thank my guest, Bob, Roberta, Chris, uh, for sharing this time with me. And I'll see you next time on Cover to Cover. tell the story of hip-hop and recent black womanhood the way Joan Morgan tells it. So Hard Knock Radio, KPFA, and Marcus Books are bringing that feminist, fire-spitting high priestess to Oakland. That's right. The author of When Chicken Has Come Home to Roots and The Smoking New, She Begat This, 20 Years of the Miseducation of Lauren Hill, Joan Morgan, will be at First Congregational Church of Oakland, 2501 Harrison Street, on Thursday evening, August 30th at 7.30 p.m., there's free parking and wheelchair access at this KPFA event. Hard Knock Radio's DVD will be chopping it up with Joan. Get tickets at brownpapertickets.com or Marcus Books or other East Bay indie bookstores for August 30th, The Fire and Honey of Joan Morden. KPFA, KPFB 